Suppose it's very evident that God has closed the door for something in your life that you really wanted, something you were looking forward to. Do we have the right to ask God to open that door? Yes, we do. Will He always answer that prayer? Sometimes He answers it the way we want. Sometimes He answers it a better way. God always has a purpose for what He does, and when we begin to see it from His perspective, it's always for our good. Opportunity seems to have knocked, but what if it disappears before you open the door? Discouragement, anger, even depression can sometimes be the result. Today's message on In Touch, the teaching ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley, encourages us to guard our emotions and see those closed doors from the point of view of our omniscient God. Well, all of us have been to that place in our life when the plans that we'd made, somehow they just got shut down. We asked this question, why? We looked around to look at the circumstance, couldn't figure out what it was all about. And so we either responded in one of two ways. Either we responded in a way that brought more difficult circumstances, or we responded in a way that caused us to be able to enjoy what we dreamed about, what we'd hoped for in a far greater way. And so what I want to talk about in this message is this, confronting closed doors. And I want you to look, if you will, to the 16th chapter of the book of Acts. And here is a perfect example of God's servant, the Apostle Paul, who got the door slammed before him two times in a row. When he laid out his plans, planned this second missionary journey, knew exactly what he wanted to do and where he wanted to go, and God stopped him. What appeared to be a mistake? What appeared to be wrong plan? What appeared to be uh, something that would uh, be very disappointing to the Apostle Paul? When the Spirit of God forbids him to preach the gospel in Asia, and then forbids him to preach the gospel even in an area close to that. That is, instead of going east like he planned, the Spirit of God now calls him to go west onto a whole new continent. And what's so significant about that is this. It is in this moment in the life of the Apostle Paul, when he obeys the Holy Spirit, that absolutely was a moment in time when civilization was affected. Now, the Apostle Paul certainly was confused and probably a little frustrated when all of a sudden the Spirit of God very clearly said, Paul, can't go to Asia. I mean, he was coming through there, but he forbid him to preach the gospel. God, what are you up to? This couldn't possibly be you because you want me to preach the gospel anywhere and everywhere I have an opportunity. God said, no. Well, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it up here. And he said, no again. God, how can you be God? How could Jesus have given a great commission to go in all the world and preach the gospel? And you're telling me, don't go to Asia in neither place. And you've made it so clear. What are you up to? So naturally, he'd have a reason to doubt. He'd have a reason maybe to fret a little bit about it and asking God, well, what in the world are you up to and why would you uh, cause me not to go there? Well, it would have been a mistake from God's perspective. So one reason he shuts the door is to keep us from making a mistake. A sec second reason he does is to redirect us. That is, it isn't necessarily that God shuts all doors, but He redirects us from this door to another one. 
And so when you think about it in that light, you think about it in this way, that is, he, he's the redirecting us to a greater opportunity. Now watch this. A greater opportunity. Asia, in the area in which Paul is speaking of here, is where the seven churches of Asia Minor are that you read in the book of the Revelation. And uh, uh, the cities there were somewhat cities, but there was one there that was a fantastic city, and that's Ephesus. What God was doing by closing the door to the Apostle Paul to preach the gospel in Asia, what was he doing? He was simply giving him a far greater opportunity. Paul listened to the prompting of the Spirit. He happened to have seen a vision, and he obeyed exactly. He could have said, oh, I just had this crazy dream. But he obeyed exactly what God was doing. And what happened? God, listen, redirected him not only to greater service, but to greater fruitfulness. Because now, where he's preaching the gospel, so many more people are listening. And what's happening is, is people begin to be and feel the impact of this church in Thessalonica and this church in Athens and the church over here in Corinth and all of these churches where people going back and forth and they were hearing about this resurrected Christ. And remember that uh, when Pentecost happened, that all those Christians were in Jerusalem, suppose they just said, praise God. Jesus Christ crucified here in Jerusalem, resurrected here in Jerusalem. This is the place to stay. And so we're going to just stay here and just praise God and worship Him and take care of one another until Jesus comes back. What happened? They got so comfortable, God sent them a good dose of persecution. And here's what happened. Then they began to spread the gospel all over the known world of that day. And they understood the truth because at Pentecost, the Spirit of God spoke in such a fashion through the Apostle Peter. He spoke, they heard with ears that made it possible because of the Spirit's work to hear the Word of God in a language they understood. That's what speaking in the tongue was all about. They heard it in their language, and God sent them all over the world to share the gospel. And now the Apostle Paul, he had an opportunity, but he had an opportunity for greater fruitfulness in these major metropolitan areas of commerce and transportation, people going and coming and people hearing about the resurrected Christ. He multiplied his ministry many, many, many fold as a result of doing what? Listening to the Holy Spirit, listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, and as a result, greater fruitfulness. Then there was also greater satisfaction. Think about this. God does the same thing for you and me. When we are willing to be redirected by a closed door, God is loving us, giving us, listen, greater opportunity, greater fulfillment in our sense of being, and greater fruitfulness in the work that He's called us to do. When you and I obey God, here's usually what happens. We get more than we ask for, more than we expect, and far more than we deserve. He always blesses obedience. And when you and I learn to listen to the simple, quiet promptings of the Spirit, God does, listen, just as mighty a thing in your life as He did in Paul's life. He, but, he, but He called Paul to be a missionary, so it looks like it's a whole lot bigger for him, and it was. It's a big thing when God speaks to you. It's a big thing that the sovereign ruler of the universe is willing to take the moment in time as if that were a problem to him and prompt your spirit to do the right thing because he wants to bless you, make you fruitful, give you a sense of contentment and joy and what? And praise and honor to him because you've been obedient to him. And so, do you know how you can most influence your children? Not by saying this and saying that and saying the other. Let them watch you respond to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. 
and share that with them? What does it say? It says to them, small children. It says to them, God's real. It says to them, God's a big God. It says, God loves my daddy. God loves my mom. God's in our family. God will help me when I grow up, and I'll understand these things. You make the most awesome impact upon your children when you and I yield to the promptings of the Spirit of God and then watch God work. It's just that simple and just that clear, and so many people wonder why. You wonder, why doesn't God bless me, and why doesn't He do this, and why doesn't He do that? Well, God's probably saying, hello, if you would listen to me, that's what I'd be doing for you, if you just trust me. And so what happens here is the Apostle Paul elated because of how God's worked in his life. But I would add to this all greater fruitfulness and greater satisfaction and, and all the rest, also greater pain. Now, you didn't like that part. Greater pain. Because when he went to Philippi, what happens? He's over there preaching the gospel and so excited about what God is doing, a whole new continent. Listen, right in this awesome, very, very, very important Roman colony. And he was a Roman, and so he was free to preach the gospel. What happens? He ends up in jail. Well, God, you made a mistake. In other words, I could preach you. This is a mistake. And so what does God do? God probably says, Paul, watch this. When you look at all that Paul was able to accomplish, he sowed down the world of his day in New Testament churches. Absolutely awesome. What did it cost him? Beaten, imprisoned, stoned, and they, they thought he was dead. Stoned as unto being dead in the streets of Lystra. Didn't come easy. But if you ask him, Paul, would you change it? Never. He would never change that. All of us, listen, all of us are disciples of the Apostle Paul because we've read his epistles and believed what he said and followed the principles there. The awesome result of him being obedient to God, when you obey the Spirit's promptings, simple sometimes and sometimes far better. But there's another reason here, and that's simply this, that when I think about what he does, what God does in allowing these things to happen, He tests our faith. He tests our faith. When you and I come to these situations and circumstances and the door is closed, test our faith. And here's what the test is. Am I going to believe what you said, God, that you always, watch this, that you always cause all things to work together for my good? Am I going to believe that? Or am I not going to believe it? So it's a test of my faith. Also, one of the reasons he keeps that door closed is to equip us for that big opportunity he's coming with, with another door that he's going to open. And sometimes we think we are ready to walk through a door when God shuts it. Does that mean if it's shut, it's shut forever? Oh, no. Sometimes God has a door and you think it's, it's a door of opportunity and you're ready to walk through and uh, it's not open yet. You know it's a door of opportunity. It's not open yet. Why? Not ready for it. And so what happens is uh, he's in the process of preparing us for it, and we'll be better equipped of whatever's going on. And then sometimes he closes the door. Watch this one. He shuts the door because our disobedience has disqualified us for the opportunity he provided for us. This is why it is so very important you and I walk in obedience to God. And I think there are multitudes of people who miss the most awesome opportunities in life because they're disobedient to God. And back here, while you're practicing disobedience in things that look insignificant, God adds them all up. And when God adds them all up, it's a big deal. 
You've disobeyed me here and here and here and here. And here's this wonderful door of opportunity. Mm-mm. You deprived yourself of this opportunity because back here when I'm trying to get you ready for this opportunity, you continually disobeyed me. And the price is very, very painful. So there are reasons why God shuts these doors and opens others. Now, how are we to respond to close doors in our life? How are we to respond? Well, let's talk about the wrong way to respond. Because this is how a lot of people, I think, do respond. And the wrong response is this. Try to open the door yourself. The wrong response to a door that God has closed is to try to get it open. That's the wrong response. You say, well, you said perseverance. I didn't say perseverance in disobedience. Secondly, listen, the second thing we do oftentimes is we try to get it open by, through someone else. We manipulate circumstances. So if we can't, oh, maybe somebody else can open it. Maybe somehow God can use someone else in some way to uh, open this door. And so we try to manipulate our circumstances through somebody else. So we push, we pull. We, we, we try to get the crowbar. In other words, we do everything we possibly can to open the door that if you got on your knees and said, God, what shall I do? He's not going to say, well, just keep trying to get it open yourself. And if you finally get it open, it's okay. God doesn't operate that way. He closes the door for what reason? To protect us and redirect us to something better that He has provided for us. And I think all of us would say that we've been there and... Um, Maybe you can't say it, but you could if you would just be obedient to him. And then, listen, then when you finally kicked it in some way and you weaseled your way in and you got in there, what did you say? Oh, my goodness, have I made a mistake. <laughs> Will God allow you to bust the door down if that's what's necessary to teach you a lesson? Yes, he will, and you'll be very sorry. Another wrong response is to blame somebody else. Blaming someone else for a closed door in your life is to forget who closed the door. And you said, well, didn't you say that Satan could close it? Yes. When he's closing it and you're crying out to God, if it's something that Satan is intervening, God's going to give you some instruction and some clarification. You will know when you have the right to pray for God to open a door. Again, the Spirit of God. It's going to be like static inside of you. You'll be praying, God, please open this door, please. And I can remember praying, God, please open this door. And I knew while I was praying that, I'm wasting my time. He's not listening to this at all. He has no interest in listening to me crying at the open a door that he's shut for his own purposes in life. So what happens? For example, Saul knew better than to offer a sacrifice without the prophet Samuel being there. He waited and waited and waited. He says, I waited long enough. Not coming. <laughs> Disobeys God. He never gets over the consequences of that disobedience. So when somebody says, well, yeah, I look at the Scriptures, and I, I know what God says in the Word, but uh, now what, what is He saying to me? That, listen, the principles of the Word of God are here. All the principles are here. This happens to be one passage of Scripture. But the principles are here to guide us in every single decision that we make. And so what we have to ask is, well, if that's true, then uh, what's the right way to respond? How should I respond? When I hit one of these closed doors, well, let's talk about it for a moment. And the first is simply this. 
wait upon God for further instruction. So I knew you was going to say that. Well, you know why? Because that's the truth. Now, why do you think God gave in the Psalms this verse of Scripture, and He had included these words? He says in the 27th Psalm, wait upon the Lord. And then He says, be of good courage, I say, and wait upon the Lord. Why did He say be of good courage? Because sometimes it takes real courage to wait for God to work. When we get anxious and we want, him to, we want Him to work right now, the first right response is simply this. Wait upon God till He gives us further instruction. Waiting upon God is a major principle of Scripture. And this is why I quote this verse over and over and over again. Some of you hear it sometime, others hear it the next time. What does He say? God acts in behalf of those who wait for Him. Isaiah 64, 4. God acts in behalf. What you and I want is we want God acting in our behalf. We want God acting in our behalf. And if I'm willing to wait, what's going to happen? At the right time, if I wait upon Him, trust in Him, here's what's going to happen. He's going to show me exactly what to do. Then I would simply say this. Look for God's purpose. I may not know during this waiting time, what's God's purpose? Oftentimes, God will show you the purpose for which you're having to wait. And I can think about that in my own life. Times when I maybe get a little irritated and say, God, now, let's get on with this. God, show me, what, why am I having to wait? Oftentimes, He's willing to show us exactly. What are you facing right now in your life? And you're asking God, how long do I have to wait? Remember, listen, He has a purpose for closing that door. He has a purpose for making us wait. And I think a third thing, one of the best things about waiting is this. When you and I are waiting and trusting God, we have to anticipate, anticipate this great opportunity He has for us. We have to anticipate an opportunity of another open door, or the fact that you still believe that door is God's door, and the timing is not right. When you and I are praying while we are waiting, our focus is upon God, and we can anticipate the good thing that He has coming as a result. What happens is, as we said before, just a moment, God is up to something good, and if I'm willing to trust Him and wait, then my anxiety and my frustration and my anger dissipate, and all of a sudden I find myself being willing to wait, anticipate what He has in mind, and then to thank Him. To thank Him for protecting us from making a wrong decision. Thank Him for loving us enough to redirect us when we were headed in the wrong direction. And then the last thing I would say is simply this. And this is a very important thing. Be faithful where you are until God opens that door of opportunity. You keep your focus on Him. You're praying. You're waiting. You're trusting Him. And what's happening? You're anticipating His blessing. But until that moment arrives, you are willing to be faithful where you are until God opens that door. God has the best for you. Now, you may not be a Christian. You may not be saved. You think, well, I don't know all about all that. Let me just say this. Jesus wants to save you. He wants to forgive you of your sin. He wants the best for you. Why live in disobedience to a God who loves you enough to speak to your heart, to make your life, listen, to make His way in your life very clear? 
Why not trust him as your personal savior, asking him to forgive you of your sins, surrendering your life to him, and then let him work his wondrous works. Because you know what's going to happen? You're going to run into a lot of closed doors in your life, and all you're going to do is just rebel against it. Do your best to finagle and manipulate some situation, circumstance, only to suffer more pain. When you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, he does the most awesome things in your life if you let him do it. And Father, how grateful we are that you love us enough to forgive us from our mistakes, our sins. Give us opportunity after opportunity, understanding how often we are so frail and know so little, but your love never changes. How I pray that every person who hears this message, who's never trusted Jesus as Savior, will recognize it is the most important eternal decision they can ever make. And it is a wide open door to blessing beyond their comprehension. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're listening to In Touch, the teaching ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley. When we acknowledge that God has a purpose for closed doors, we're able to respond correctly in spite of our disappointment. Resist the temptation to turn away from the Lord in anger and instead expect Him to be your comforter and guide. To listen again, click on Today on Radio at InTouch.org. And that's where you'll find resources that can encourage you to hold on to hope. Again, you'll find these resources at InTouch.org. You may write to InTouch Ministries of Australia at P.O. Box 704, Penrith, New South Wales, 2751. Or ring us on 1-800-765-615 for the cost of a local call. Again, that's 1-800-765-615. You may also email us at au at intouch.org. Good can come from life's most difficult situations. With insight and encouragement for believers, here's A Moment with Charles Stanley. Isn't it amazing how we as believers oftentimes, we say, oh, I believe the Bible from cover to cover. We read the verses and we see what they say, but when it comes to applying it to our life, we don't do it. Think about this. You have this adequate, available Holy Spirit who is omnipotent, has all power, can handle every situation, and you go calling your mother or calling someone else or asking somebody else, why don't you call on him? You know when most people call on God? Tell me when they've called on everybody else and they can't help him. Listen, he's living on the inside of you. This is practical. This is real. And one of the reasons you don't have the joy that God wants you to have and the peace he wants you to have, he doesn't want his children full of anxiety and fretting and fuming about the future and, and security and all these other things. He's already taken care of every bit of that. And you say, well, what about these troubles he allows me to go through? Just to demonstrate his awesome love for you. That's one of the reasons. And what does it do? It drives us to God. And listen to this. Whatever drives you and me to God's good for us. Whatever drives us to God is good for us. Because he'll work it out in such a way, it'll turn it for our good every single time. You'll find many resources at InTouch.org that can help you get God's perspective. 
And if you gained new insight from today's program that helps you grow in your faith, please tell us about it. Tomorrow on In Touch, do you ever feel like you battle the same sins over and over? Friday's program helps us answer the question, why do I keep failing when I try so hard? I hope you'll join us then for In Touch, the teaching ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley. This program is a presentation of In Touch Ministries, Atlanta, Georgia, USA.